Well, happy Father's Day, everybody. Happy Father's Day. Um, as we've been going through our series here, um, we started on Mother's Day, Father's Day here being the bookend to it. Uh, title of the series is called Family Matters. And we've been working about, looking at different things about, the different, especially the different things that are going on in the world today as it relates to family and as it relates to really the attack on family and the, the, the attempt to redefine family. Uh, as we've said every Sunday, I'll say it again today, we live in an age of great deception. Um, the spirit of Antichrist is one of great deception. The Bible says that there is going to be great deception in the last days. And so what is the spirit of Antichrist all about and how does it manifest itself? It, it manifests itself in, in kind of this order. It starts off with deception, which then leads to confusion and then ultimately relates, uh, it, it concludes in a, in a type of division. So, uh, so you have this division that takes, or you have this confusion, uh, you have this uh, deception that takes place. Uh, and, and Satan deceives. That he's the master of deception. Um, and then when you're deceived, when you're, when you're not sure of what you thought you knew, then it creates confusion, which then ultimately leads to, to, to division. That's what he did in the Garden of Eden uh, with Adam and Eve, and he's been doing it ever since. Um, we look at Daniel chapter 8, uh, and it, it describes Satan as the master of deception. Then Daniel chapter 7 describes the Antichrist as one who speaks against the Most High, oppresses the saints, and tries to change set times and laws. And that's really what we're seeing, again, is the redefinition of what a woman is, the redefinition of what a man is, the redefinition of what a a male and a female are what marriage, are trying to redefine marriage, trying to redefine all kinds of different things as it relates to God's original intent and creation. Uh, we're going to ask a question this morning and hopefully answer it. What is a man? Now, as we said with the women several weeks ago, I'll say it again with the men, that external and internal biological and reproductive differences define themselves. You don't really have to describe what a man and a woman is. And ever since creation, ever since God created man and woman, uh, male and female, it's never been a point of debate up until recently. I don't know if you've noticed, but all of a sudden it's just like, what is a man? What is a woman? Now we have gender fluidity. It's just, it could be anything you want it to be. It's no longer male and female, but it's a spectrum. I think I mentioned this, like Facebook used to have... Uh, multiple choices of gender as you're, say, opening up uh, an account with Facebook. Uh, they used to be able to check boxes. It was just male-female. Now it's male-female, and they started adding to the point where they got 72 of them. 72 choices, 72 options at one point that you could have. They finally just decided to just put, like, other at the bottom of it, right? Because you just run out of room after a while. So what's going on here? When you think about it, it's not just we're living in this new, more informed uh, time, you know, where people are more uh, enlightened. It's really an attack from Satan himself. It's the spirit of Antichrist who is trying to change the set times and the set laws. He's deceiving and confusing and dividing. But let me be clear again, as I said on Mother's Day, I'll say it again today, that there's only two genders. It's just two. There's a man, there's a woman. There's a male and there's a female. The male has an XY chromosome and the female has an XX chromosome. It's not based on how you feel. It's not based on how you dress. It's not based on what you declare. It's not based on your mannerisms. It's not based on what surgery that you have. It's not based on what hormone that you inject on your body. It's none of that's going to change your DNA. None of that's going to change the fact that you're assigned either male or female. And by the way, you're not assigned male or female by the doctor. 
You're assigned male or female by God who created you. And he makes no mistakes and he makes no junk. Now, my heart breaks and our hearts should break for the people who have fallen into this great deception. And we dare not hate them. We dare not consider them our enemy. Satan is our enemy. And they've simply been deceived. They've been confused and they're bound up in this lie, but they're not beyond rescue. And thank God for that. So with that said, as we defined several weeks ago, what is a woman? Today, we're going to ask and answer, what is a man? Well, we can define a man as a male. We can define the man as a, as, as a male who is the opposite and complementary sex to a woman. Now, let me just say this too. A man cannot get pregnant as a woman can. Wow, ladies. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Amen for that. But... A woman cannot get pregnant without a man. Amen, men? There it is. A man is a son. A man could also be a husband. A man could be a father. A man is masculine in his mannerisms and ways. A man is described at times as handsome and fierce, as bearded and hairy, and as deep-voiced and strong. Those are attributes of a man, and we love this. But is, man, is, is a man is really all of these things and so much more, but are these really the true essences of what a man really is? Regardless of what the world may try to do to define or redefine what a man is, let's not lose sight of what God's Word says about what a true, biblical, godly manhood is all about. Now, the world's ways are confusing and ever-changing, but I'm so thankful for God's Word that is always clarifying and constant. Amen? That Bible that you hold in your hand today is always going to be clarifying and always going to be steady for us. So how can a man live out his true essence of his God-given masculinity in a world where manhood is considered toxic? I believe a godly man is largely a man who is mature, who is fully developed in multiple areas of his life. Now, we have too many immature men in our world today. We have too many boys in grown-up bodies. God beckons us men of God to step up and to grow up in our lives so that we can fulfill our God-given mandate and destinies and be the men that He's designed us to be and that He's called us to be for our families and for our church and for our community and for our world. So with that said, men, I want you to get out a pen and a paper, and I'm going to wait. If you don't have one, I need you to borrow one. I want every man in this place to be proactive and interactive with me. I'm going to do an interactive message with you this morning. If you don't have a pen or a piece of paper, I'm going to wait until you borrow. If you need a pen or a piece of paper, raise your hand, and some lady is going to come up to you and say, here's one, and it's probably going to be your wife. A pen and a piece of paper or a pencil, something to write with, something to write on. Raise your hand. If you don't have one, there's a man back here who needs one. There's a man right here who needs one. If you make sure, ladies, if you have an extra one, give a pen and a piece of paper. I want to make sure everybody has one because we're going to do an interactive this morning. I want to make sure you have something to write with and to write on. Write on. Anybody else? There's still someone back here that needs something. He's raising his hand. Anybody else? Right here, you need a pen and a piece of paper. Keep your hand up. Don't lower it. And by the way, as you keep your hand up, you're volunteering to give $1,000 to save a baby. No, I'm kidding. 
I'm kidding. Keep your hand up if you need a piece of paper and a pen. Anybody at all, keep your hand up and don't put it back down until you get it. All right, we're good? We're good. All right, grab that thing and here we go. I'm going to have us do a diagnostic assessment of our spiritual maturity. There's going to be 12 unique categories. By the way, one for each month of the year, which I love. So I want you to write this down. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 on your paper, okay? Just 1 to 12 going down, all right? Write that down. As you're doing that, no matter your chronological age, by the way, you can be a young man of, in your teens. You can be an older man in your 70s and 80s. We all have different levels of manly spiritual maturity. Someone in their 70s could be less mature than someone in their 20s, spiritually speaking. It's all based on how we pursue these things. And so I want us to take a little diagnostic on our on our maturity this morning, okay? I'm going to go through these rather quickly. But I want us to see how we're doing in our godly spiritual maturity. And I want you to please be honest with yourself. You're not going to show this to anybody, not unless you want to. But these are the marks of a spiritually mature man here today. There's 12 of them. Are you ready? You ready? You got it, 1 through 12. Here we go. I want you to write this down next to it. Write spiritual maturity. Here's the first section, spiritual maturity. All right? Write it down. Now, this spiritual maturity, man, is the foundational one. It's the one that we should build the rest of this list upon today. So I want you to look around in your life. I want you to imagine right now in your life, as you're going through your days, your weeks, your months, who has the Lord placed in your life to lead in the ways of the Lord? Is it a wife? Is it children? Is it relatives? Is it neighbors? Is it coworkers? Who has the Lord placed in your life to lead in the ways of the Lord. Who are you leading in the ways of the Lord actually online and social media? It's people that you know that maybe you've never met in person. Let me ask you this. Are you spiritually mature enough to lead your family and your friends and your co-workers in such a way that they know the Lord, that they honor the Lord, and that they serve the Lord? How much of an impact are you having to lead those that are under your care in the ways of the Lord? By the way, do they even know you're a Christian? That's a good question. I want you to look around. Who's following you? Who's following your example? Again, start with your spouse. Start with your children and go from there. By the way, there are people following you. You don't have to say, well, there's nobody following me because that's not true. Someone's following you. Someone's watching you. Whether you like it or not, you're giving someone an example. So here's the question. Do you like the example that you're modeling for them? Do you want them to parrot you, mimic you? Do you want them to say and do the things that you're saying and doing in your life? If not, it's not too late to change, by the way. You may look at this and say, ooh, that's an awful question, and I'm really getting my toes stepped on this morning. Good. So am I. A spiritually mature man spends time in prayer. This is what a spiritually mature man does. He spends time in Bible study. A spiritually mature man is yielded to the Holy Spirit so much so that he is able to lead others in this way. How do you become a spiritually mature man? You spend time in prayer. You spend time in his word. You allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, to consume you, to overtake you in every facet of your life. 
so that as you live your days and walk in your path and people are watching you and you're leading them because of your children, your spouse, your coworkers, your classmates, whoever it may be, that they're saying, now there's a man of God and that's the kind of person I want to be and that's the kind of person I want you to be and that's the kind of person that God wants us to be. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 15 and 16 says it this way. It says that our goal should be to grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Every respect, not some in every area. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Men, I need you to be a spiritually mature man of God because that's going to help me. And you need to be a spiritually mature man because it's going to help the person sitting next to you and the person over here and the person at your workplace. And all of us doing our part as the body of Christ, all of us who are declared and professing born-again men of God, Christian believers in Christ Jesus, right? We all need to do our part so that we can all help share and carry the load together. That's what this verse is talking about, doing our part. Men, as you're individuals, yet you're part of the body of Christ, you have a responsibility to grow in Christ, to grow up in Christ, and to become more like Him in every respect. And your maturity impacts others as it also reflects upon others. Don't let your spiritually compromised life be spoken of in this way. Don't let someone say about you, if he's a Christian, then I guess I am too, in a negative sort of way. Well, if that's a Christian, then I guess I am too. If you can talk that way and act that way and be that way and they go to church, well, then I guess I'm a Christian too. Don't let your life be spoken of in that way, men of God. Be an exception. Be peculiar. Be different. Be sold out for Jesus Christ. Be a spiritually mature man others can follow. And you be happy with the example that you're modeling for them. So on a scale of 1 to 10, guys... Where do you think you fall in your spiritual maturity to lead others to know and to honor and to serve God? <clears throat> now, don't, if you're sitting next, if someone, if you're sitting next to someone and they say, no, that needs to be, you write down whatever number you think. Ladies, don't coach them. Guys, go ahead, write it down, one to 10. 10, by the way, is, I got this. One is like, what is spiritual maturity, <laughs> Right? Write it down. Where do you think you fall on that? Go ahead. Just be honest with yourself. There's no right or wrong answers here. There's not going to be, you know, a prize given out at the end. Just be honest with yourself. Take the diagnostic. Spiritual maturity based on what I just described. Number two, personal maturity. <clears throat> personal maturity. Too many men are still living in their parents' basements playing video games at 30 years old. They're not preparing themselves for marriage or family. Young men, listen to me, especially those that are in their teens and 20s, those that are not married yet. This is for you guys. This is for all of us. These men are learning zero on how to be a responsible husband and father. It's a great opportunity for all of us here today, if we're not married, to prepare ourselves for marriage. They're little boys in big man's body with their mommies and daddies doing everything for them, paying everything for them, enabling them to continue in their childish ways with no repercussions. Shame on us as parents for allowing that, by the way. Guys, listen to me. 
God has called us and expects us to prepare ourselves for manhood and maturity, to take on the responsibility and the privilege of being a husband and of being a parent. God calls us to leave and cleave, not to stay and play. Genesis 2.24 says, That is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. That's what God has called us men of God to do. Young men, listen to me. He's called you to prepare yourselves to be the husband and the father that he has for you to be. 1 Corinthians 13.11 says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put away those childhood things behind me. Parents, we have a responsibility to raise our sons and to be responsible fathers that desire marriage, that produces children, that can contribute to making our society a better, more godly place to live. Guys, if you're not married, work to be the man a woman would want to marry. And if you are married... Be the man your woman needs you to be. Put down the remote and joystick and grow up. And let's be the husbands and the fathers God has called us to be. One through ten. Ten being I got this and one's like, nah, I need to work on it pretty desperately. Where do you land in that category of personal maturity? Number three, economic maturity. Are you able to hold down a job? Are you stable and steady in your employment? <clears throat> Can you handle finances well? Not do you know how to spend money. But can you handle finances well? Do you know how to save for a rainy day? Do you know how to pay your bills responsibly? Do you know how to create and stay on a budget? Budget is not a four-letter swear word. It's a good word. And it's important for us to create and stay on a budget. Here's another one. Do you tithe? Uh-oh. Do you honor God's word by giving of the 10% of your income back to God? I'll just say this. I've said this before. You know, and we don't receive an offering here. We have the little containers back there, receptacles for you to place your tithes and offering. It's between you and the Lord. But 100% of the money that you make belongs 100% to God. You hear me? 100% of what you have belongs to God. He is simply giving it to you to steward. So when we don't tithe, we're stealing from God. And we're eating our seed so that a year from now, when you're trying to get the harvest, there's nothing when you go out to the field to harvest because you've not planted any seed. And then you come to me and say, Pastor, I need help with my power bill. I'm struggling in different ways with my finances. I can't seem to make ends meet. Then how about let's talk about that. Are you tithing? It's the first question I'm going to ask you. And that's between you and the Lord. But that's also being financially mature. Is understanding that tithing is a mature act of obedience. Spiritually mature men of God are not careless. 
Spiritually mature men of God are not selfish and they're not self-centered in their handling and stewardship of finances. Spiritually mature men of God are not lax in their financial disciplines. Spiritually mature men plan for their future. They know when to say no to wants. They shun credit cards. They avoid debt and they're wise in their financial stewardship. Spiritually mature men of God are not slothful. They're not lazy. They don't walk around with their hands out begging for money so they can go buy the latest gizmo or gadget dangled in front of them. A spiritually mature man knows how to earn money. A spiritually mature man knows how to manage money. And a spiritually mature man knows how to respect money. He properly stewards his financial resources for his family, for his future, and for God's kingdom. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Things break, needs arise, opportunities to bless are frequent. A spiritually mature man in the area of finances creates financial margin and space to address things that break and needs that arise and opportunities to bless. There's so much more that I can say to this, I can do a whole series on it. But we're going to leave it at that today, 1 through 10. Where are you in your economic and financial maturity? Physical maturity is number four, I believe. Are you taking care of your physical body? Do you eat right? Do you sleep right? Do you exercise right or at all? Too many don't see the need to keep themselves physically fit. They eat what they want, when they want, how they want, as much as they want, and then they sit around and get soft and fat. They consume alcohol and drugs that destroy their minds and attack their internal organs. You don't see necessarily the immediate results of it, but five years, 10 years, 20 years from now, you will. We are to be stewards of this body that God has given us. In fact, we are God's temple and God lives in us. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? He's living inside of you right now. Does he have to maneuver around all the stuff you're putting in there? All the blockages and fat cells and everything else that's going on. And he's like, hey, it's getting crowded in here. Help us out, Lord Jesus, to be disciplined and to be careful. You know, God has assigned for us a number of days to live out. But I believe too many people shortchange those days by not taking care of their temples, their bodies. And I believe that we're going to be held accountable to that when we stand before the Lord. So let's not shortchange our days. Men of God, let's stay fit. Let's eat right. Let's exercise regularly. Let's rest sufficiently. Let's reject the things that will destroy and reduce our capacity. I don't understand why chocolate chip cookies are on the naughty list, but they are. I don't like it just as much as you don't. I hope that in heaven, cinnamon rolls and chocolate chip cookies and brownies are the things that make you healthy. I don't get it. It's the opposite. I don't want to eat a carrot and a celery stick, but it's good for me, so I'll do it. But I am going to eat a brownie every once in a while. <laughs> a physically mature man of God stays fit to work for and protect well his family. Do you hear me? We have a responsibility, men of God, to provide for our families. So let's stay fit 
and well so that we can be the strong men that we need to be physically to take care of those in our care, to take care of those that God has placed in our charge. We provide that strength and care in that way. Let's take care of our temples on a scale of one to 10. How are you doing with that? Number five, sexual maturity. Well, now there's not much a guy needs to do to be sexually mature. We just need to hit a certain age, make sure we don't kill ourselves before then, and boom, puberty changes us from a boy to a man. But being sexually mature is so very much more than our ability to reproduce. Being sexually mature means that we know how to handle sex well. It means that we have sexual integrity. We avoid the trappings and the temptations of pornography, of fornication, of promiscuity, and of perversion. We recognize and flee the dangers of lust. And we not only create safeguards against them, but we develop a healthy heart for the things of God in our sexual maturity. Now, guys... We're created as sexual beings. Sex is not a bad thing. Sex is a good thing. The capacity to reproduce and enjoy the pleasures of sex brings, uh, th that sex brings is to be celebrated. But God gives us solid parameters in which to express our sexuality in mature and responsible and God-honoring ways. Married men have their spouses. But single men can also celebrate their sexuality by being accountable to God and others in their celibacy as they wait for the Lord to bring them a spouse. Your virginity is the best gift that you can give your spouse on your wedding night. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's to be, it's to be desired. It's, 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 it should be the priority. It used to be, but not anymore. But those are the ways of the world. That's the world's pattern. That's the world's model. Not what God's word says. Single men, young men, guard your virginity. If you've given away your virginity, then recommit to the Lord this day and from this day on your sexuality and guard it going forward as an act of worship to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 16, or 6, rather, verses 18 through 20 says pretty clearly, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And it's tied directly, again, to sexual uh, act actions and activities. That's what this is talking about. Honor God with your body sexually. Sexually mature men steward their sexuality well for the Lord and for His glory. So here we go on a scale of 1 to 10. Guys, how are you doing in your godly sexual maturity? Assess yourself. Here's the next one. Write it down. Moral maturity. Moral maturity. Morally mature men... No right from wrong. There's no gray areas with a morally mature man. There's no conditional morals with a morally mature man. There is black and there is white. There is right and there is wrong. 
They know God's standards of righteousness and of His holiness and of His purity based on God's Word, and they live it out. They stand on it. It's not based on circumstances, but it's based on God's Word. It's based on God's eternal Word. They're not only to live it out for themselves, but they also model it. And as they model it, they pass it on to others because as I said at the beginning, people are watching you whether you like it or not. Morally mature men of God make responsible and reasoned decisions that align with God's word, that honor him, and that hold up to really moral scrutiny that others would be uh, uh, putting upon them. Let's see if what you're doing is lining up with God's word is what they're saying. Too many, I believe, in our culture right now are living their lives in this Fifty Shades of Grey sort of compromised morality. It's subjective, it's conditional, instead of absolute. Too many model poorly to those around them, from family to friends to co-workers. Let's be careful. Guys, we're passing on our morals to our children. Let's be black and white. Let's do it right and wrong. Let's, let's divide these things. Let's, let's remove the gray areas. Let's divide this stuff up. I believe though too many people are living these 50 shades of gray because they don't really have a standard. Now, we do have a standard. We have no excuse. But there's some people, they don't know. Maybe their moral shift based on how it's going to benefit them. We see that happen a lot. Or how it looks to others. Uh... Or maybe it's because they are peer pressure. They don't want to seem square or, you know, nerdy or whatever, uncool. Or maybe they just had it modeled for them wrong by their parents or whoever. And that's all they know. But you see, morally mature men set as their standard one and one thing alone. And that's God's infallible, eternal, unchanging word. The Holy Bible that gives us everything that we need to live a life of moral absolutes. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. How many knows we need to be trained in righteousness every day? Amen? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, and I might add, live a morally absolute life. That's what this is all about. Morally mature men ask the question before we say or do anything. Before any decisions are made, we ask, what does God's word say about it? If we're not sure, we find out. And when we find out, we study it. And when we study it, we apply it. We walk it out. We live it out. That's what a morally mature man of God does. Psalm 119 Verses 104 through 106 says, I gain understanding from your precepts, from your word. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. In other words, the rest of this stuff that's gray, the rest of this stuff that's black, the rest of this stuff that's wrong, I ain't doing it anymore. I hate it 
Because I know now what's right. I know now what's pure. I know now what's holy. I know now what God would have me to do. So I will walk according to it because your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. I've taken an oath and I've confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. Oh, that we would stand up right now and put our hands over our heart and say, Lord, I make a commitment, I make an oath, and I make a vow that I will serve you and follow what your word says. That's what, the, that's what the world is looking for. That's what our wives and children need. That's what we need to be is morally mature men of God. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how morally mature are you today? How black and white are you? How right and wrong are you? If there's shades of gray in there, 1 to 10, where are you? Next one. Write this down. Relational maturity. A relationally mature man of God cultivates an understanding and respect for others. Listen to me this morning. A relationally mature man of God is not rash and he's not short with people. He's not hateful or belittling to others. He not only hears people, but he truly listens to them. He's patient with and has empathy for others. He truly cares for the person that's standing in front of him. Relationally mature men have as their goal to learn the person, to leave the person better off from spending time with them. Do you leave a person better off as you depart from them? Or are they worse off? Are you taking from them? Or are you in, investing in them? Are you helping them or are you just seeing what you can get out of them? Are we leaving people better from our time with them? It's a good question. You see, morally, uh, I'm sorry, relationally mature men of God are compassionate. They're caring. They see beyond skin color and they see beyond lifestyle. In other words, they're not prejudiced at all. They see people as Jesus sees them. And how does Jesus see them? They have compassion. They care for them. They love people as Jesus loves them. Do you love others as Jesus loves them? They invest. They give. They, they selflessly pour into others. That's what a relationally mature man of God is. Ephesians 4 verses 31 and 32 says it this way. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. That sounds like what, like what a lot of guys do, right? That are living in the world. Instead, here's the opposite. Instead, I'm adding the word instead, but here's, here's the contrast. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Here's the thing. Kindness and compassion and forgiveness is not a wimpy aspect of a man of God. You know, the world would say, oh, you don't need to be kind. You need to be rough. You don't need to be compassionate. You need to be hard. That's not what a biblically mature man of God is. A biblically mature man of God in the area of relationships is kind and is compassionate and is forgiving. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be the relationally mature man of God that you've called us to be. One to ten, here's the Here's the question again. Do you need to work at your relational maturity towards others? Are you doing pretty good? Where are you with that on a scale of 1 to 10? Here's the next one. Social maturity. 
A socially mature man of God contributes to his society. A socially mature man of God doesn't have the approach of what society can do for them, but rather what they can give back and do for society. A socially mature man of God wants to make a difference for the good. He wants to give of his time, of his talent, and of his treasure to strengthen his community and to strengthen his fellow citizens. He sees this as his civic duty to take what's been, what he's been blessed with by God and to bless those around him as he's been blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing, men of God, to our families, but also to our community. There's a whole lot of good that a socially mature man of God can accomplish. As I mentioned last week, or a couple of weeks ago, I don't even know how long ago it was. But maybe there's a school board that you need to serve on. Maybe there's a public office that you need to run for. Maybe there's something in this community, maybe it's at the New Life Hope Center where you can go and volunteer and minister to some of these kids and young people and adults that are struggling with homelessness for whatever reason. Maybe you can volunteer at the Palmetto Women's Center. That's what we're talking about. It's being civically, socially mature. We all have this civic responsibility to make and leave this world a better place from our being here. That's a great goal. I want when I die to have to pe for people to say about me that this world is a better place from him being here, not a worse place. He gave, he contributed, he made it better. That's a socially mature man of God. A socially mature person says, I want to leave this. I'm not here to take. I'm here to contribute. I'm not here to see what's in it for me. I'm here to give out and make it better. I want to leave this church. I want to leave my family. I want to leave this community. I want to leave everything that I leave. I want to leave it better than when I originally came in. How about you? A socially mature man of God helps shape their world for the glory of God. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and give it, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way... Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Guys, just as salt preserves and seasons, and just as a candle brings light to the darkness, both salt and light are transforming entities, by the way. So we as men of God, socially mature men of, men of God, are called to transform our world for Christ. So how are you doing with that, guys? Are you contributing at all socially? And if so, great, that's wonderful. On a scale of one to 10, where do you land in that assessment? Here's the next one. Verbal maturity. Verbal maturity. A verbally mature man of God knows how to speak up. Now, he doesn't stay silent. He chooses to communicate. You know, the strong and silent type that you hear about? 
uh, that's not what God's word necessarily says. We, we need to step up. We need to be strong and speak out, guys. Speak up. By the way, we can all talk and we can all yell and communicate in different ways, but we don't just talk loudly and we don't just talk a bunch of words, but we actually are articulating correctly. There's a difference. Because if we just throw out a bunch of words, but it's boring, it makes no sense, it has no relevance to it, it's, it's shallow, it's immature, it's selfish, it's carnal, all those things. I mean, I can, I can articulate a bunch of stuff, but I want to make sure that what I say, and I want to make sure that what we say speaks in ways that honors God and that promotes God's eternal truths. We can articulate a lot of things, but a spiritually mature man of God who is verbally mature articulates things that honor God and His eternal truths. He, he's a man of God that stands his ground when confronted for his beliefs of the things of God. He, he stands his ground and he, and he makes his case when asked, and he doesn't mind arguing his convictions clearly when challenged, and he frames his words around the truth of the Bible. This is not just raging uncontrollably, but it's, it's, it's a reigning in our emotions and channeling the energy effectively to speak the truth based on God's word, not in hate or not in anger, but in love. We speak the truth in love. 1 Peter 3.15 says, In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and do it with respect. Again, these are not weak traits of a spiritually mature man of God. Gentleness and respect are actually strong traits of a mature, verbally mature man of God. I'm reminded of two disciples who were not learned men, but they were spirit-filled men. And when confronted with their faith, they spoke in such a way that it confounded those who were listening, and they were highly impressed. Acts 4.13 says it this way, when they, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men, we can say that about ourselves, we're unschooled and ordinary men, we're just regular guys, right? But they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Here's what I'm here to tell you, men of God. When you spend time with Jesus, he's going to transform your life. And then you'll be, when you spend time in his word, it's going to transform your life. And then when it's time for you to articulate, and when it's time for you to, to, to defend, and when it's time for you to communicate in such a way, you're going to do it in such a way where it's going to confound and astonish and amaze those that are listening to say, wow, they've been spending some time with Jesus. Men of God, it's time to spend some time with Jesus so that we can better articulate why we believe what we believe with our kids, with our spouses, with our co-workers, with our neighbors, and with everybody that we come in contact with. The more time we spend with Jesus, the more verbally articulate that we will become. So on a scale of 1 to 10, write it down. How are you doing in your verbal maturity? Here's the next one. This is kind of a fun word. Fortitudinal maturity. 
That's fun to say. Fortitude and maturity. Fortitude and maturity. Fortitude and maturity. Just kind of bounces along there. Mature men of God have a godly fortitude that doesn't shrink back in the face of opposition. It's a courage that is best graded when under fire. Men with a spiritually mature fortitude are not scaredy cats. They don't cower. They don't turn tail and run. They're brave. They rescue others. They run toward the burning buildings. They run toward the danger. They run toward the need. They stand their ground when challenged. They don't bow down to the whims of culture or peer pressure. They say no to what society is saying yes to that is opposite of God's word. And they consistently are godly in their fortitude. And the evidence is that there's a godly character that rises up in them. And it's revealed in the day-to-day challenges that we all face. I'm inspired constantly through my life by three young men in the Old Testament book of Daniel who in the face of great opposition and in the face of death, in fact, chose to not bend their knee to anyone other than God Almighty. Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 16, three men called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They replied to this, to this king who had threatened them with death if they didn't bow down to the idol that was made to be worshipped. They said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. You see how they were actually kind and respectful. They kept saying, your majesty. They understood his position, but they also stood their ground. They said, I appreciate and respect who you are and your opinions, but I also have opinions, and my opinions are based on God's eternal word, and I'm not make me, it doesn't make me better than you or holier than you. I'm just, I'm letting you know, I have convictions, and we're going to see how this plays out. That's quite what these three guys said. We're going to see how this plays out. But we're still going to stand our ground. We know that they were, they were rescued. They were thrown in, but they didn't get burned up. Hey, I threw three men in there. I see four. And one looks like the son of God. <laughs> I love that. Here's what, I, here's what I'm here to tell you guys. As you stand your ground, you might even be thrown into the, into the crucible of the fiery furnace of the opposition. You may be putting a target on your back for the enemy. But know that God is with you every step of the way. He's with you through that fire. He's with you through the test. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. It's time, men of God, for us to stand up and be the mature men of God that he's called us to be in the area of having a strong spiritual fortitude. Oh, that we would have more men like these that would declare, especially in times in which we find ourselves today, which we're right in the thick of a fiery furnace, all of us guys. Listen, I will not bow down, but I will stand my ground for the sake of God's kingdom and for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ and for the sake of his glory. It's all right to stand up that way. In fact, it's not just all right, it's necessary. We must. So how are we doing? On a scale of 1 to 10, how is your spiritual backbone? Finally, the last one. 
scriptural maturity. Scriptural maturity. What is your native tongue? Most, by the way, speak English in this place. But some speak Spanish. Others can speak another language. It's pretty impressive, too. You ever go to a place and people speak in Spanish to one another and you're just like, man, I wish I knew what they were saying. Are they talking about me? I don't know. But they just go at it, you know. Spiritually speaking, though, mature men of God have a scriptural maturity that makes God's word as fluent as their tongues of their native language. Does God's word roll off of your tongue? Does it, guys? Does it? See, spiritually, scripturally mature men of God know their way around God's word. They can teach it, they can preach it, they can share it, they can rehearse it, and they can live it. If you're ever in a conversation and it naturally comes out, well, God's word says this, or you just, you're just quoting a scripture based in the circumstance, the situation, well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It just, it just kind of rolls out, you know? That means that you're doing pretty good. But if you're like, I don't know, that's tough, that's awful. You just don't even know what to say. It's like you're confounded. Ah. That means that that's kind of a sign there. You're not really sure, you know, that you're not scripturally mature like you need to be. By the way, scripturally mature men of God are comfortable praying out loud. I can't tell you how many times I've been in men's meetings where it's time to pray and everyone looks around and they all... They naturally just point to me. Well, you're the pastor. You pray. No, no. no. How, about, how about you pray? How, you, how about you pray with your family? How about you pray with your kids? How about you pray? How about be the first one to step up and say, no, how about arguing? No, I want to pray. No, I want to pray. No, I want to pray. We'll both pray then. Don't be afraid to pray. We're comfortable to pray out loud. They're honored and excited to lead in prayer time. They're honored and excited to lead in a prayer meeting or to have family devotionals. They don't shy away from leadership roles in the church. Come on, guys. Don't let all the ladies fill all the good spots. Step up. Let's lead. Scripturally mature men of God are not intimidated to share the gospel with someone. They're not afraid or intimidated to lead someone to the foot of the cross, to lead someone to the salvation, good gospel message of Jesus Christ. They step up to lead a Bible study. Their hearts are so full from the time they spend in His Word that they can't help but share what God has revealed to them. Scripturally mature men of God, I hate to say it, are lacking in the body of Christ. Men, we're starving ourselves in this area. Let's be careful. We know how to eat, but we're not consuming the Word of God as we should. And then when we get into trouble, that's why we struggle to overcome. When we get into trouble, we're struggling to defeat that that is in our lives because we haven't consumed and rehearsed God's Word. As scripturally mature men of God, we study God's Word and it becomes our native tongue. Psalm 119 verse 10 says, I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. Here's a familiar part of this passage. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It, it, that, that takes rehearsing. First off, that takes even 
engaging. So we engage and then we rehearse. And then the Holy Spirit puts it in our spirits so that when the time comes that we need it, it comes up and it comes out and it's confronted. That's what Jesus did when he was tempted by Satan three times. Read it. He didn't say, well, that doesn't sound like a very good idea, Satan. I'd like to negotiate with you. No, he said, God's word says. God's word says. God's word says. And that's what we need, men of God. We need to be scripturally mature so that when Satan comes and he tries to deceive and then confuse and then divide, we can head him off at the past and say, no, that's not what God's word says. And by the way, I'm not going to negotiate this with you, Satan. I'm going to tell you this is what God's word says and get thee behind me. Get out. Get under my feet. You're not welcome. And then as you rehearse God's word, it becomes stronger in you. It's like a muscle that you build. And we just walk it out. We live it out. We live out God's word in our lives. Men of God, we're lacking in this, I do believe, for most of us. I'm not going to judge for you. It says, praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Oh, write that scripture down and rehearse that and then live that out. Think about it. He's recalling it with his lips. He's meditating on it with his mind. He's considering it in the different actions. He's delighting with his emotions. And in, in other words, his entire being is consumed and engaged in God's word. His body, his mind, his emotions, his spirit. I'm in all the way, God. That's what a scripturally mature man of God is all about. And by the way, it's really a heart priority at its root. Just like really all the rest of these categories. So here it is, one last one. How are you doing in this category? How scripturally mature are you? So we have the spiritual, the personal, the economic, the physical, the sexual, the moral, the biblical worldview, the relational, the social, the verbal, the fortitudinal, and the scriptural. That's 12, is that right? Did I miss it? Huh, is that 10? 11? Okay, that's one for every month minus a month. Just like with everything else, we take December off because it's such a busy time of the year, right? Between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we're just going to kind of throw this out the window. I miscounted. I'm sorry. So it's 11 of them. So we get a little break. You're welcome. Happy Father's Day. So look at your scores and add them up. 12 times 11. See, I got 120 here, so that's not right. 100 uh, would be 108, right? If you're, if you're going, if you're going, not 12 times, it'd be 10 times 11, 108, right? Is that 108? 10 times 11 is 108? Uh, 110? Man, I, I need to put it on here, spiritually math mature. <laughs> math maturity. Maybe this is in the area of finances. Help me out. So you got, you got, you got one through 10 as far as uh, score, right? And you have 11 categories, right? So that's 110. So your maximum score would be 110, right? That's what I needed to say. Whew. All right, 110. 110 is your maximum. I want you to add them up. Add them up. Go ahead. Add them up. Now, 110 is a perfect score. And I doubt that any of you, if you were honest with yourselves, you got 110. 
But really, we're really not supposed to have 110. We're not supposed to have a perfect score. In fact, if you happen to get 110, then I think you need to work on your humility. <clears throat> because only Jesus would get 110. All the rest of us are works in progress. And guys, that's the point. Jesus can and Jesus will help us to improve as he sanctifies us and calls us to himself. Sanctifies simply means that he's making us more like him. And his Holy Spirit is here to help us with all of these things. So how about we take one for each month, take December off, and ask the Lord to help us. Uh, because, you know, they say after 30 days of doing anything repeatedly, it's going to help to develop a habit in our lives, don't you think? So, so let's assign each one a month, take December off, and let's ask the Lord to help us improve in all these areas. I think that's a good goal for us, guys. We like challenges, so here's the challenge that I set before you. Take these categories and say, all right, Lord, I'm going to give you for the month of June the area of uh, financial, you know, maturity or sexual maturity. Whatever it is that you feel like you need to work on, let the Holy Spirit lead you. And the goal, by the way, is not perfection, but the goal is perfecting. So we're better at the end of the month than we were before. We're more like Jesus at the end of the month than we were before. And then add to it. Keep that plate spinning and then add another one. It's all right, Lord, I'm going to keep working on this, the sexual maturity, but now I'm going to be like socially mature. And I'm, going to, I'm going to be like scripturally mature here. Keep them going. And by the end of the year, let's see how we're doing. Philippians 3 verses 12 through 14 says, not that I've already attained all of this. I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That's what this is all about. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, it's so important to forget what's behind, because we can kick ourselves and say, well, I made all these mistakes, financially and sexually and socially and spiritually and scripturally. Right, okay, nothing you can do about yesterday. We'll give that, we'll just mark that up to experience. But today, okay, I'm going to make a difference. Going forward, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to forget what's behind, and I'm going to strain toward what's ahead. And I press on <clears throat> toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What a great goal. I can't stress enough, by the way, how important it is for us to pursue all these areas as a priority in our lives. You will make mistakes. Sometimes it'll feel like two steps forward and one step back. Well, welcome to humanity. But learn from your mistakes. Forget what's behind. Strain towards what's ahead. And press on for the sake and the cause of Jesus Christ. Just like that old Gaither song that's, that, 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 uh, that they wrote some years ago. He's just looking for a few good men. James 1.4 says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Oh, what a great goal for us that we would be mature and complete, not lacking anything for our spouses, for our children, for our co-workers, for our, uh, for our neighbors, for our community. May we persevere in Christ Jesus today, O oh, men of God. Would you all stand with me if you will, please. And I'd like to pray with all the men today. And in fact, man, if you would like, as just kind of a, an act of, of worship and an act of commitment, if the Lord is working your heart in any of these 11 areas, you feel like, yeah, I, I need some work on this, I'd just like for you to step up here to the altar.
And say, all right, I'm stepping up like the man that God's called me to be, the, spiritually man, uh, man, the spiritual man of God he's called me to be. And I'm going to ask him right now to help me in these areas. Young men and old men alike, this is for teenagers on up. Amen. I'd like to pray that God would open up your hearts today to the power of the Holy Spirit. I would like to pray that God would help us to make us fully mature and fully complete. That God would make us in such a way that we would be lacking nothing and that we could be all that God has designed for us to be for our families and for our church and for our community for the glory of God. Amen. I want you to do something here. Guys, I want you to just put your arms around some other guys and join together. Shoulder to shoulder. All right. Link arms, link shoulders together. And I want you to pray for that person next to you. You can bring it on in if you want to and get a little closer. Make every, let's just kind of tie it, kind of, kind of walk over here and connect with everybody, okay, if you can. Ladies, I want you to bow your heads. Anybody else that's out there right now? And if you, if you need a touch from the Lord, uh, I just, you, you, got, you know your loved ones are up here. Ladies, I want you to pray for, for your men up here today. <clears throat> Let's bow our heads in prayer. I want you to pray next for that person standing next to you as well. Lord Jesus, we're the men of God that you've called us to be. You've set us apart. You've called us to you. You've drawn us to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. We've, we've answered that call. We've said yes to you, Lord Jesus. We love you. We want to honor you. We want to be the men of God that you've called us to be in every area of our lives, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that you'd help us to be the spiritually mature men of God that you called us to be, that personally, that we would be the spiritually mature men of God that you called us to be economically, financially, that you call us, Lord God, and help us to be the, the financially mature men of God that you called us to be physically, Lord God, that we would take care of our bodies and be mature in that way as the men of God that you called us to be sexually, Lord God, that you'd help us to be the sexually responsible and mature men of integrity that you called us to be, Lord, morally. Lord God, that we would know right from wrong, black from white, that we would stand up and say, right is right and wrong is wrong. Mature, Lord God, in that area, that we would have the biblical worldview that you call us to be, that relationship, Lord God, with other people. <clears throat> we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you could, you could mature us to be relationally uh, uh, respectful of others and kind to others. I thank you, Jesus, for that maturity that you're putting in us, that social maturity, Lord God, where we can think outside of who we are and contribute to our community, Lord God, for your glory. Verbally, Lord God, that we would be able to articulate well the things that are in your word, that the godly, holy, righteous, pure things, that we would have the spiritual fortitude to stand up and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and I will not bow my knee to the pressures, to the wokeness, to the different agendas that are out there, Lord God, that we would be scripturally mature. That, that your word would be our native tongue that would spiritually flow out from our mouths in times of temptation, in times of struggle, in times that we, would, that we need to, to minister to others. Grow us up, Lord God, whatever our score was, if we're a minimum of 11 points, Lord. We got a long way to go. Some of us are probably somewhere in the middle. Some of us are kind of getting closer to, to the upper scores, but we all have a room to grow. So we commit right now to you, Holy Spirit. <clears throat> we yield to you right now, Holy Spirit. We want to be overtaken by you, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, not the Spirit of the world, not, the, not our flesh, 
not be influenced by anything else or anyone else but you. Holy Spirit, come. Take charge of our minds, our thought life. We give you, Holy Spirit, the reins of our thoughts. We give you, Holy Spirit, our emotions. Lord, where we might be acting out in different ways that we don't like to act out. We give you the reins of our emotions, Lord God, that we would be like you, Lord Jesus, and that we be kind and be gentle and be respectful, all those things. We give you our bodies. Lord, take the reins of our bodies, that we would take care of our bodies, that we would be sexually and physically mature and careful. Oh, Holy Spirit, reign us in, Lord God. Teach us. Discipline us. Guide us. Encourage us. Help us in this way. Spiritually, Lord God, we give you our hearts today. We will not have an undivided heart. God, help our hearts to be pure 100% towards you. Always 100% inclined to you and you alone. We give you who we are. We yield to you, Holy Spirit. From the top of our heads to the tips of our toes, everything that represents us, mind, body, spirit, and soul, we give you our lives. Holy Spirit, May we be spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-empowered men of God for your glory, fully matured and fully equipped to be the husbands and the fathers and the men of God that you called us to be for our community and for our world. Thank you, Jesus. Perfect us. Grow us to be more like you. Help us to be the examples that we need to be so that when people see us, they don't see us, but they see you in us and they're drawn to you in us and then we're leading others to you as well. We want to influence our wives, our children, our community for your glory so that we can leave this place a better place because we've been here and yielded to you and you've gone through us and worked through us in such a way where we've left it better. Because of you, not because of us. Because of you. Hallelujah. 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 Men, repeat these words after me to Jesus. It's a prayer. Say it out loud. Say, say, Jesus, I give you my mind. I give you my emotions. I give you my body. And I give you my spirit. Take it and use it for your glory. Take it and mature me to be all that you have for me to be for my family, for my community, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.